Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. We are here in the beautiful Partners for Christian Media studio, and I am joined, as usual, by Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Well, Mitchell, we've alluded to it a few times, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Today, after sharing some of Dean's thoughts about changing our perspective and the way we look at things, we'll let Mitchell tell his story about his father's story of redemption. Really looking forward to that. I've heard that story, and it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. First, let's go over our trivia question from last week. Our trivia question from last week was, there was a woman of Japanese descent that held the world record in in a marathon and a half marathon though not at the same time. She began running when she came to the United States in the 60s. Who was she? Did you have to dig for that one? I didn't know this one. Did you not know this one at all? I did some digging, um, and and I've got some 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 thoughts about it when you get into it. But, no, I had I had no clue. Yeah. You, you pull up some some <laughs> – you pull up some humdinger of a question sometimes. I think it's good for us all to go back and learn about some of the roots. I did. Of this was very interesting. Yeah, it was. yeah. So um, she was um, somebody. Mickey Gorman. I don't know if I said her name yet. You Mickey didn't. Gorman is is some, is the person that I'm talking about, and she's got a very interesting story. She was a really really small lady. Um, one of her earliest races, interestingly, before she ever ran her first marathon, was she ran a 100-mile race uh-huh. before her first uh, regular race. She was doing, like, 24-hour races and things like that. Because and, that's how you're supposed to enter the sport, right? Yeah, right. With your 100-miler <laughs> being the first race. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, it, it talks about uh, – I've read some things where she said uh, – an interview with her where she said she stopped after 86 miles the first time that she did the this 100-mile thing, and she cried. And then the next year she <laughs> completed it, and then, then she won it. And um, she's just uh, – just uh, she's just one of these who – they're. She's just relentless, and you can right. read that into her story over and over again, is she just had the desire. Um, but when she did start in the marathon, she was very reluctant to do that. She didn't really want to get into this whole competitive racing thing. She really just wanted to compete with herself. But what she says, quote, my husband pushed me into running because my social life was very limited. Uh, I tried exercise class, but it was boring. I enjoyed running, although I sometimes got dirty looks because I was a woman running. Mm. We don't think about that Mm -hmm. today because more than half of the runners that are out there, especially recreational runners, are women. And so we we don't think about looking at somebody's gender and thinking, well, that's kind of weird that she's out there. But back then, it was unusual. It shows you how far we've come as a society that yeah. we don't. We that's strange to us for that to even for her to even say that. It really is. It really is. So one of the things that got her over the hump was watching Jacqueline Hansen win the Boston Marathon. She realized when she watched her win that in 1973 that she could maybe compete in the marathon, and so she decided it was time to prepare for a marathon and. By this time, she was already, I want to say she was 37 years old by the time she started her first marathon. Mm -hmm. So she was a very late bloomer. Um, She was born in 1935 to Japanese parents in occupied China. Hmm. So what what an interesting background. Her childhood was was deprived. It was not a very good childhood. Um, She moved to the United States when she was 28. Uh, she didn't begin running until, again, well into her adulthood. Um, when in, in 1976, when she won New York City for the first time, she was 41 years old. Wow. So what could she have done? Um, hmm. She's still the only woman to this day, still the only woman to have won New York City and Boston Marathons both twice. So uh, interesting. She won. She broke the world record in 1978 for the half marathon. Back then, it was 115.58. She ran. We look at that now and we go, "That was the world record." 
But you got to remember, there weren't many many women running. What is the what is the world record for a female now in the half marathon? I, I honestly, I don't know specifically, but I'd say it's around one oh six. Wow! So it is significantly faster than this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know there's a there's a ton of Americans who can run under one ten right now. Females. So, females. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I say a ton. There's a few. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in 2010, she was inducted into the National Distance Running Hall of Fame, deservedly so. She died in 2015 at the age of 80. Um, she ran a world record in her first marathon. Again, once again, the, the time was 2.46. You know, I remember running in a marathon myself where a woman won the overall in that marathon, and she ran 2.40. And, uh, <laughs> this is this is years later. So this this lady was an unknown. You know, she was just this woman from. I remember she, her name was Kathleen Castle. She was from New Jersey, hmm. and she won this marathon, and uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, she ran Boston three times and won it twice. She ran New York three times and won it twice. That's so. pretty incredible at that age too. That's uh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Who it would it would have been neat to see what she would have done had she entered the sport much younger and gotten to the stage she did. Um, it would. Yeah, she's, she's definitely got some speed in her. But, you know, it goes back to also there's a movie with her in it. Um, I meant to look that up. I can't remember what the name of the movie is right now. Um, it's not coming to me real quick. But there is a movie about her life, and it's uh, it's not a great, well-done movie. It's kind of maybe one of those TV release movies way back in the 70s, maybe in the 80s. Um, but she, her, her life is interesting. And that movie kind of depicts it as she began running because she saw her husband was a runner Hmm. and she just, she wanted to meet him. This wasn't her husband at the time. This was the guy she wanted to be her husband. She saw him running and said, I want to meet him. Maybe if I run, then I can get to meet him. And so, uh, I don't know how true that is, but that's how the the, the movie kind of projects it. And it shows that she goes out and the first time she runs, she can't run a hundred yards. Wow. stopping and then this woman <laughs> goes on to run ultra marathons so uh, if you're out there and you're about to, or you've just started this couch to marathon program think about mickey gorman couldn't run a hundred yards mm-hmm. the first time she went out and ultimately broke world records so um, not incredible. saying that that's going to happen to everybody right. but um, but it does you do get better over well, time what is it to say in there in a, in a movie so you saying there's a chance yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, and her husband pushed her a little bit and, um, and that, that helped get her, especially on the competitive side. Yeah. Um, so here's the question. Do you have somebody who will help and encourage and push you when you don't feel like it? We've talked about accountability partners over and over, right? You've got to have that. Got to have somebody. Mm-hmm. This group, this group is going to take us way down that road of accountability, but nothing, we've said this a hundred times on this podcast, nothing beats a warm body waiting on you at the stop sign at whatever time you're planning to run, because that will do more to get you out the door than anything we can do on this podcast, anything we can do in this Couch to Marathon. That one thing alone will make you hit your goals more than anything. Yep. Yep. And let me say this. If if you don't have somebody, because I know we've got a, a bunch of folks out there who don't have somebody. Mm-hmm. They, maybe you've tried to talk some people into running with you and uh, th- they're not in. They're not down for it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But at least find somebody who's a friend of yours who will ask you about it regularly. Right. That's They'll hold you accountable. They'll help. And, and tell them. Tell them up front. I want you to hold me accountable. I want to do this thing. Yeah. And I know I'm going to get weak at some point in time. And you know, it's so cool on the, on, the, on the Run Club group, the Facebook group, how many people are reaching out and they're saying, hey, I'm from whatever city and whatever state. Yeah. Is there anybody near me? And it's pretty cool to see some of these connections being made organically. You know, we've talked about trying to figure out ways to connect people on, on, on Run Club. And we haven't found a really good way to do that yet, but it's cool to see how people are doing that organically. So, yeah, if you're looking for somebody, you don't have somebody, go on that group. That group is so active now. Yeah. And people are cued into it and they're checking it every day. Put, put yourself out there and, yeah. and, and say, hey, you know, I'm, I live in wherever. 
I would love to have an accountability partner. It may be over Facebook that you're doing this one-on-one, but it may be somebody close enough where you guys can meet up and you can meet each other at that stop sign and hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah, great idea. Nobody wants to be that person (laughs) that there's a 5.30 a.m. run or a 5.30 p.m. run and you've left somebody hanging. Yeah. That's uh you don't want to be that person. Nope. And you don't want to send that text that says, oh, I can't make it. Right. Yeah. So uh yeah. That's a good idea. Get an accountability partner. Self inflicted peer pressure. <laughs> uh so we're not gonna have any trivia this week because this week is special. Uh we have a very special story and you're gonna hear it, and it comes at a time when we're just getting started in the Couch to Marathon program. And I think that is a great time to to introduce this story um so we'll get started here in a minute just i do want to say one thing if you if you have somebody who wants to join this couch to marathon journey with us Mm -hmm. in the middle of the process they can Mm -hmm. still do that right sure yeah Yeah, we've uh by now you've seen the new couch to marathon page uh, which has we've already went and pre-planned the entire um year um, actually, the, the logos for the videos are up there. The videos aren't there yet, but everything is in place for the whole year. And if you haven't checked that out, go to the, go to the Marathon Challenge page at, at Run Club. Um, but we've already got everything laid out, and we've made it pretty simple for an existing runner to come in and say, well, I can plug in right here. So you let's say you run 20 miles a week and, and – you're already at the point to where you can run a 5K and maybe you want to jump in at the start of the training for the 10K. Well, you can you can find out where you need to plug in, but you don't have to wait till that point. We've got plenty of people starting week one of the 5K challenge who are much more experienced runners than that, but they're just going to they're going to kind of keep their training in a holding pattern and they're mm-hmm. going to let the program catch up to them because as we've said so many times, this this challenge is way more than the training. Uh, you can plug in. You can run 100 miles a week and start with week one with us. Now, your training is going to be a little bit different. You're going to let the training catch up to you, but it's the motivation, the encouragement, the inspiration that we're going to get from each other. I mean, just being on that Run Club group page, uh, the, the lift that I get, I'm – I'm so excited for this process, and I've ran several of these things before. <laughs> so you don't you don't have to join in right where your mileage dictates. You know, just keep that holding pattern and join today. If you've got friends who want to join in, explain that to them. They can plug in right now, and the training will catch up to them. Yeah, and it's totally worth it. Even if, in my case, I'm training for a marathon right now. Mm-hmm. Um within a couple of weeks of when this airs mm-hmm. I, I will be running a marathon and I, I'm running I ran 80 miles last week I'm running a lot of miles mm-hmm. and I'm probably not going to do exactly what the plan calls for all the way through this whole program sure but I'm going to really really enjoy the fellowship and the back and forth and the encouraging other people because what you're going to see is you may not be struggling Mm-hmm. to do what you're doing and we have a bunch of those out there mm-hmm. that they're going to get through this and they're going to be able to to get through it pretty well there's going to be other people who they need to they need to hear from from all of us that we're out there supporting them and helping them through this journey it's right? kind of the reason we go to church isn't it it's exactly the same thing exactly the same thing yeah. now so you've got somebody like you, you you ran 80 miles last week um you you're you're gonna you're gonna fit into this program okay let's take me i haven't run very much in almost a year and but I've ran marathons, I've ran ultra marathons, I've done Ironman, I've I've got the experience. But guess where I'm starting? Day one. Day one, because mm. I know that I've been out of it for long enough. And do I do I think I could go out and run a 5K right now? Absolutely. But I run the risk of getting injured, uh, all sorts of things. So I'm starting my training. You know, the the guy who God pushed into this this um, run for God, I'm starting on day one with everybody else. So we've got the me's. We've got the 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 um, the full-time runner like you. Mm-hmm. We've got the coming back to runner like me. And then we have 
hundreds of people who we've seen already mm-hmm. that they've never run in their life. Yep. And they're starting on day one. So this is this is the cool thing about Run for God. It's kind of the same way in a Run for God class, how you'll see 80-year-olds and 8-year-olds in the same class. Yeah. Well, this marathon challenge, we're going to see people all the way from you all the way down to somebody who's middle-aged, overweight. We're, we're going to see it all the way down to that person. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about this challenge, and that's what really excites me is to see the conversations that are already starting from so because I saw a lady come on the uh, Facebook group the other day. You probably saw this comment. She said, "Is anybody else just starting? It looks like everybody on here is already runners." And like a hundred comments she got popped flooded, up yeah. and said, "I'm right there with you, sister. You know, I'm I'm brand new to this, and you're seeing these conversations, and that's the beauty. That is where the magic in this program happens. I've said it a hundred times." The training program is not rocket science. Right. The magic happens with the accountability, everything that's going on in the conversations. That's where the magic happens in this program. And yeah. I'm I'm just I'm pumped. Yeah, and I'm so we're so glad you're here and you're tuning in and uh hopefully that the the things that we're doing are kind of encouraging you and helping you along that journey. That's the whole purpose for for this very podcast, right? Sure. So Hey, listen, we are always proud to be sponsored by the world's greatest digital music platform, J Radio. So go check out J Radio. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. Okay, so we're back, and listen, you can always send messages and questions to dean at runforgod.com. Of course, if you don't know about us, then you can go to runforgodrunclub.com and learn more about Run Club, what Run Club is, and how to join and be a part. It's dirt cheap to be a part, and you're supporting a ministry that wakes up every day trying to figure out how how to... Share Jesus Christ with a running community. Mm. So, And don't forget that we would love to hear your story. We're not going to share a story from a club member or from a Run for God person today. We're going to share a story that Mitchell has written, but don't forget that we'd love to hear your story. We've had a few come in in, in recent weeks. Right. And so, and they're awesome stories. Yes, they are. And we've got there's, – oh, there's so many of you out there mm-hmm. listening to this. Um, and every one of them. Have a story. That's right. So take the time, write your story down, and submit it. And you can find a place to do that at runforgodrunclub.com. So, hey, here's a special shout-out. We were just talking about that Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And I want to shout-out especially to those people. We have a few people, and I've gotten some emails, and so I'm sure there's more that have not emailed us, that don't have a Facebook account. We completely understand why somebody doesn't have a Facebook account. That is a personal choice that is highly respected uh, and and perfectly fine. But, um, but we there also, are some people who have emailed and said that they're going to join just for this. That's right. You know, they're going to have kind of a private account that nobody knows about, but they're they're going to be on the Run Club group. That's an option too. Yep. But if you don't want to join Facebook, we completely understand that. Yeah, yeah, and, and we've got some folks too that basically what they do is they get on Facebook, but they navigate directly to this page, and sure. then they don't really get on there for anything else. Right. And that's that's fine, too. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of different options out there. Um, but here's another option. I don't know how many of you – I know we've got a lot of people in the Strava group now. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and I, and I look at that. That is a great motivator. I don't know if people think about how motivating that is, is to just flip through there and see what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. It's so motivating to me to see these other people that are getting out there and they're running every day. It's, it's great. And so Strava's not got the social aspect that, got a little fa- bit. that Facebook does, a little bit, but – uh, but the cool part is you just know people are getting up and they're getting out the door and they're going and they're being active. But it's also a good idea to join Strava because just like you don't want to be that guy that doesn't show up, that guy or that girl that doesn't show up at the stop sign when, you're, when your buddy's there, 
you also don't want to be the person with that Strava profile that has zeros for the last week. That's right. That's <laughs> so it is also an accountability partner. Uh, you know, Strava, some people live and die by their Strava they segments do. and account, and that is their social media. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Strava can be a, a great motivator, but it can also be a, a great accountability yeah, uh, yeah. tool. I think about times, there's times where I'm sitting on the couch, and sometimes I'm doing some work. Right. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm working and Debbie's up and she's doing all this work around the house and, and, and she's very active. And at some point in time, I just feel too guilty. No matter what I'm doing, it's like I got to get up and do something active because she's doing it. Yeah. Well, Strava works that way, right? Yeah. You, you see somebody doing something and you realize I need to get up and do something. <laughs> so, so I'm going to digress here just a, a minute. I, I'm not a huge Strava, Strava user. I never have been. Uh, I, I wear Garmin devices, so I kind of stick to the Garmin account, even though I don't know if mine does. I know Lanes automatically goes to Strava from Garmin. So, like I said, there are people that they are Strava junkies. Yeah. Um, Strava has things called segments, mm-hmm. and I'm coming at this from the biking world, uh, but there's also Strava segments in running. But take, for instance, in biking, you can create a segment of – you know, this one mile stretch from the end of this road to the end of this road, and you can create a segment. And then anybody can go in and try to try to break the record for that segment. And in cycling, Strava is way bigger in cycling than it is in anything else. And so people live and die by these segments. It's like a community thing of yeah. there's certain stretches of road. And the, the segment I'm talking about is – is a road called Crow Road. It's a two-mile stretch of road, and it's a Strava segment. Well, I, I don't. I didn't know that. I don't really care. I, you know, I don't use Strava for that. Well, I was on a bike ride one day, and a uh, I was coming in. I was by myself, and a friend of ours pulled up beside me in their truck, and was talking to me out the window. Well, I just kind of roll over, and I put my my elbow up on the window of the truck. And I'm I'm talking to my friend Keith Burnett's his name, and uh, so we're talking and, and he's speeding up and it may not be the safest thing. I, I know there's some people out there thinking, well, that's very dangerous. It is dangerous, so don't do it. But I was I had my elbow on the truck, and he's speeding up a little bit. And for a vehicle, we're not going that fast. I mean, we're probably doing 30, 35 miles an hour. And I've got my elbow on the truck, and he's just kind of pulling me along, and we're talking. And it's uphill. It's so, uphill, so yeah, the road is really fast like, for a bicycle. It, it's e- even at thirty miles fast yeah. <laughs> for a bicycle, but for a truck, it's not. Yeah. And for for holding on to a truck, it's really that not really not that. I mean, I, I'm a very good bike handler, so I I didn't feel in danger at all. So anyway, that's not the point. So I'm talking to Keith, and we get near the end of the road, and he pulls off, and I pull into the school to finish my bike ride, and I go home and. I didn't think a thing about anything. I didn't, I didn't even think about Strava. I didn't think about Garmin. I just knew I talked to my friend. Well, a few days later, we have a local cycling group Facebook page, much like the Run Club Facebook group. We have one for our local cycling community. And I saw a discussion about this. Um, I mean, Facebook was blowing up about this segment. Strava segment on Crow Road being broken. And I didn't think a thing about it. I was like, wow, somebody broke that Strava segment. And and so and then I start seeing the conversations get heated because one gentleman popped in and said, Well, I saw a certain person in this group holding on to a vehicle to break the Strava segment. And I I'm at this <laughs> I'm still thinking, why would somebody do that? That is so wrong. You know, why would somebody cheat to break this Strava segment? And I'm serious. It goes on another day. And the conversations are getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And I'll never forget, I was at a drive-in movie when it hit me. And I was, I, I don't, we were waiting on the movie to start. I don't remember what was going on. And I was like, oh, no. That was me that everybody's talking about. It hit me that I was holding. I remember the conversation. I remember going down Crow, and but because I'm on Strava, I never thought about breaking. And so I went on. I immediately got my phone and I went on Facebook and I knew the guy 
that had called me out, but he didn't call me out by name because he didn't want to embarrass. He you. didn't want to, but he he was kind of upset with me. Yeah, because because he thought that's what you were doing. And I remember passing once once this revelation came to me. I remember passing this guy. He was going out crow on his bike. Yeah. While Keith and I were coming in and we were talking, so we made eye contact. He knew who I was. <laughs> but he I guess he was getting agitated that I wasn't addressing it. And so he just thought, Well, Mitchell just broke this draw or broke this record and he's trying to take credit for it. So I went on Facebook and I said, Look, I don't know why this is just now coming to me. You know, I even pulled my friend Keith in to kind of back me up that I did not mean to break this segment. I went and took it down, but I don't know how we got off on this. But Strava is it's really fun, but it, you got to watch it. Don't don't accidentally leave your watch on and hop in your car and drive home because you're going to break a bunch of segments and people are going to get really upset with you. So that's, uh, that's kind of a funny story. That is funny. That's kind of my funny Strava story. Um, uh, so once you get in and you see how Strava works, if you're not on you'll, you'll get what I'm talking about. Yeah, the inadvertent record breaker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to share Dean's thoughts. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. All right, we are back, and it is time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something about the intersection between running and our faith. And this week it is called A Whole New Outlook. I see a lot of posts about how runners struggle with getting out the door. It's simply a part of being a runner, and the reasons we struggle are varied. It may be that you're just really tired. It's difficult to go do something that is going to require more energy from you when you believe the tank is already low. It's like running low on gas in your car. You're looking for a gas station with none in sight. You begin to ease up on the pedal because you're afraid to use more gas than you absolutely have to. Sometimes our bodies feel that way, like we're critically low on fuel in the next scheduled rest is still hours away. Here's another issue. Sometimes it is very difficult to fit a run in between the busyness of our day. It requires planning ahead to schedule a run around the one zillion things we have to get done today. When we do get a break, we want to relax, not work harder as running requires us to do. Or maybe this is you. It's just going to be hard and you know it. Maybe the schedule calls for a longer than normal run, or maybe you're one of those people who struggles all the time. Every run seems like a battle. We like our comfort, and being uncomfortable kind of defeats our attempt at being comfortable. (laughs) Whatever your struggle is, think about this. Do you think there are others who struggle with those things? Of course they do. I've run every day for years, but I still struggle with these things from time to time. I can hear you now. You don't struggle with those things like I do. You know what my answer to that is? You're right. I don't struggle the same way as many people do. You see, I wake up every day with the assumption that I am going to read my Bible, pray, get my work done, eat, and yes, run. I just assume I'm going to run. It's no more optional than eating. Oh, I can get by without eating for a day, and I could also make it through the day without running. But aside from fasting, (laughs) in the case of food, why would I do that? Anyway, there is one thing I know. Perspective makes a difference. Hopefully, you have a goal to be a better version of yourself. Put that in perspective. If you look back a year from now and you know you had two choices, run tired or take a nap, which choice do you look back on and think, well done? (laughs) That's a no-brainer, huh? 
This is why we talk all the time about keeping your goal in front of you where you can see it. It puts things in perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. When we keep our eyes on the ultimate future, the struggles of today are minuscule. If you have a relationship with Christ, your eternity is already decided And it is spectacular. In a similar way, the ultimate goal of crossing a marathon finish line or just getting out the door for every scheduled run are worth the temporary discomfort to get it done. And it is much easier to do when you keep the right perspective. If you struggle with getting it done, try a different outlook. Maybe it's all you need. If you struggle with spiritual matters, Maybe a new perspective will make those struggles all but disappear. Man, that's a great story, Ding. You know, as you were reading that, I'm thinking this is this is why that run club group is so important. Yeah, Um, because you'll see people on there a lot who say, "I'm struggling with this," and then you'll have 50 different perspectives on how you can overcome that. Mm -hmm. That's that's why I love these forums Mm -hmm. um, because we don't know it all. We, right. we never claim to know it all, and we don't understand every situation. Mm-hmm. But with a group this big now, somebody does. That's right. And it's cool to see all the different perspectives, and then being the person who made that post, you can read down through those, and chances are one of those perspectives is going to hit you just right. And yeah. you're going to say, wow, I never thought about it that way. And you know there's always those people – too, where somebody somebody posts something, they ask a question, and then somebody else just types in following. Yeah. Because all they want to do is they just want to keep up with that post and see what the responses were because they had the same question. Right. And so oftentimes I see people are a little reluctant to participate in those in those discussions, or at least they may they may not be as reluctant to answer a question as they are to pose a question. But understand, if you've got that question with a group as large as this. There's somebody else out there that has the same question, and you're not just helping yourself. You're helping others, right? Because right. there's, there's plenty of people on there, and there's there's plenty of people in your life, period, Yeah. who yeah. who don't say things. Absolutely. They watch. That's right. Uh, and that's why it's so important in our faith life, in our physical life, that there, there are people watching us Yeah. that are never going to say a word, but they're being impacted by the way we live our lives. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So Very think, cool. Think about that. Hey, we're embarking on a long journey. There are going to be stories of redemption and where God has shown up in a big way and has changed some lives over this next year. And how do I know that? Well, because we've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Over and over again in different Run for God groups and programs, we've seen lives changed. And that's through the 5K Challenge program. I cannot imagine that person that posted that we mentioned earlier that posted it seems like everybody here is a runner. And then all these people chimed in and said, no, I'm starting from scratch, too. Um, the stories that come from that group in particular mm-hmm. are going to be unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah. Be encouraged. I mean, I, 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 can, I can almost see the thoughts behind the lady that posted that. She's timid. Mm-hmm. She's worried. She's scared of what lays ahead. Somebody that's never run. My hat is off. Amen. If you're listening to this and you signed up for the Couch to Marathon, that's that is just awesome. Yes. We're going to get you there healthy. Yes. But the courage that that take, you know, somebody said Dean's Dean's comment has really, and I don't know if Dean made that up, but Dean definitely used the comment. He said the courage to start and the faith to finish in in two weeks ago's podcast. That is so true. I mean, the courage it takes. To click that enter button and to sign up for this is incredible. It is. But all it takes is faith to get you through this, to lean on something other than your feelings. Yes. And if you've got that, you're going to do just fine. And let me say this. If you're just, maybe this is the first podcast you've listened to. 
you need to listen to Dean's story. If you're in that boat and you've never done this before and you think this is it, it, almost an insurmountable mountain for you mm-hmm. to climb, you need to hear Dean's story. Go back to episode 42. Yes. It should be 42. Yes. Um, and listen to Dean. He uh, He's the guy that should not have been doing any kind of endurance event, and he did an Ironman. Yep. Yep. And, the uh, ultimate in yeah, endurance go, events. Go, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So Mitchell is going to tell a story about redemption. Um, It's not running related, but it is definitely God related for sure. So when we come back, Mitchell is going to tell that story. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. All right, we're back. Hey, listen, if you haven't become a coach, a lot of people ask about groups and they, they want to, to get people together and do these things and this, even the Couch to Marathon program, the Couch to 5K program, they want to do this as a group. Well, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can hold your own group and you do that by becoming a coach. And so check out how to become a coach by going to runforgodrunclub.com and, and learn about how you can become a coach because you can do it. You, can, you don't have to join another group. You can create your own group, right? <laughs> All right, so you've talked about this story of your father a few times on this very podcast, and it is an unbelievable story of tragedy and triumph. Mm-hmm. You've alluded to a few things, but you've scratched the surface in the things that you've 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 talked about. Yeah, and I've I've heard stories similar to this because I, I think uh, a lot of people listening to this probably have this same kind of background that I do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of jump in. You know, I, my dad died several years back of cancer and um, his his testimony is incredible, but it was a testimony that was never told. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when I when I gave his eulogy, you know, I kind of just I, I told this story and then I kind of let it lay. And it wasn't until a few weeks later that I had a young man in uh, my small group at church. I, I have a small group of high school boys. And he was really sharing some of his struggles. And, man, I just saw I saw a 16-year-old me sitting there. And I thought, this young man needs to hear mine and my dad's story, our family's story. Yeah. And so I decided to share it with him. But I didn't really have a good way of sharing it. And I thought, as as that was kind of going through my head, I thought, you know, there's there's other people that could that could benefit from this. I know mm-hmm. that. Uh, I've been in this world my whole life. And and so so I did. I made that public uh, about a year ago on the, the Run For God blog. But, I, you know, on this podcast, it's a great catalyst to be able to, to get this out there. So I'm just going to kind of go through this. Uh, I'm going to be reading. Um and uh, yeah, I'll just get started. And listen, I'm sure you're all going to agree that this story is a special God story. And, and as only the person that's closest to the story can tell it. So now listen as Mitchell tells the one of the best God stories that I've ever heard. <clears throat> Below is the eulogy that I delivered at my father's funeral last October. I've been back and forth as to whether or not to share this with the general public. It's a very personal story to me because it's basically my father's testimony written through my eyes. His life was full of pain and heartache, but in the end, he got it right. Tonight I met a young man who needs to hear my dad's story. He is living the very same life I was 25 years ago. God reminded me that while our testimonies are very personal, they're not meant to be private. 
I truly hope this will help someone out there. It's a story of redemption and the truth that I will see my dad again one day. The title of this eulogy was Cancer Saved His Life. Now, you may be asking yourself, did I read that title right or did I hear that title right? I assure you that you did. As I sit here writing this, I'm able to glance over and see my father sleeping peacefully in what I'm sure are his last days. I'm sure cancer is going to take his life. But there's one other thing that I'm sure of. It absolutely saved his life. Billy Graham once made the statement a few years prior to his death. Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Friends, the same is true for my father. Yesterday's obituary said that Danny Bruce Hollis died, but that's not true. He is also more alive now than he's ever been because he, too, is in the presence of God. My brother Jerome and I grew up in a very disruptive home. The man lying here today is not the man we grew up with. The Bruce Hollis before 2011 was a raging alcoholic. I remember spending my teenage years driving from bar to bar looking for my dad in the middle of the night only to turn violent and cause a scene once I found him. I was angry with my father, and I only became more and more bitter each time he didn't keep his word to stop drinking. Each promise only led to another disappointment, and each year only widened the chasm that had formed between he and I. By 2010, our relationship was non-existent, as I had not seen nor heard from him in several years. In 2011, a friend of mine asked me to go to lunch with him to discuss a fundraiser that he was working on. Greg Ellis was a recovering addict who was looking to give something back to the Carter Hope Center, which is an organization that helped him get clean and get his life back in order. Over lunch, Greg began to tell me about his crazy idea that he had of running 100 miles on a treadmill while others would pay to come and run alongside him all through the night. He had reached out to me to see if we could get the support of the local Run for God members. I agreed to help, and just as we were leaving, Greg made the statement, you should just join me for that run. (laughs) Now, I love running, but 100 miles on a treadmill was not my idea of fun, nor did I think I could even do that. It's funny how your words often come back and bite you. I no more got home and walked into my office, and three words were staring me in the face. You see, I'm famous for making the statement, yes, you can, to anyone who says they can't complete a Run for God course. I believe it so much that it's printed on the back of our books at that time. And for whatever reason, one of our books was laying upside down that night on my desk. Needless to say, I called Greg the next morning to tell him I would be joining him. Over the coming months, I ran more than I ever had run. 100-mile weeks became common. I got a chance to meet Chuck and Kara Smith, who founded the Carter Hope Center, and got to know many of the people who worked there. The Carter Hope Center has a proven track record of success. Chuck, who is a recovering addict himself, had done a great job with the vision that God had given him, which is why they usually have a waiting list of people who want to get in. Many times God is working and we don't even know it until we have a chance to look back. The fundraiser went great. My run ended at mile 50 due to an injury, but we raised a lot of money for the Carter Hope Center that night. What I didn't know was that God had already put a plan into motion. Within weeks of that fundraiser and getting to know Chuck and Kara, I found myself calling in a favor. I'll never forget driving down Highway 41 through Rocky Face, Georgia when my, rom- when my phone rang. It was an unknown number, which I don't normally answer, but for some reason this time, I did. The voice on the other end was a voice that I had not heard in years. It was a voice that I had blotted out of my life because I didn't want my kids to see his destructive lifestyle. It was the voice of my dad. 
His message was simple. I need help. I had heard these words before, but this time it was different. Many people have told us through the years that oftentimes addicts and alcoholics have to hit rock bottom before they make a change. Dad began to share that he had been to it that he had been admitted to a local detox facility after being found almost dead in a hotel room. They were about to release him and he had nowhere to go. My father, who was once a wealthy builder and developer, who had who had it all, was now washed up and homeless. I'll never forget walking into that clinic and seeing my dad after several years of not seeing him. I almost didn't recognize him. His once lean, toned body was now skin and bones, a testament to what addiction can do to anyone. He was ashamed of what he had become, and all I knew to do was hug him. Before arriving to pick him up, I was on the phone calling in that favor. I called Chuck Smith and asked, I know you have a waiting list, but can you get my dad in? I thank God that he told me to bring him on over and he'd make room. Within minutes of picking my dad up, we were at the Carter Hope Center getting him settled in to his new home. It was a modest twin bed in a room with four other men who found themselves in the same situation. The weeks that followed were nothing short of amazing. Dad began to flourish. He became active in the program and it was obvious that this time his promise was for good. I remember Dad calling my brother and I one day, saying that he was having some bad abdominal pain and that he needed to go to the hospital. Within just hours of him arriving at that hospital, he, he was being prepped for emergency surgery. Dad had a major bowel obstruction that was most certainly cancer. I'll never forget him lying on the hospital de- bed as they were about to wheel him into surgery. The look on his face will forever be seared into my mind. He was terrified. And God clearly revealed to me why. I asked the nurses and doctors to simply stop and leave the room. For the first time in my life, I asked my father if he knew where he was headed should he not survive that surgery. He said no. And on that day in September of 2012, I had the honor of leading my father into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That day my father changed forever. He made, he made it through that surgery. Yes, he had one of the deadliest cancers you can have, but he also had a brand new life. My dad became the father he had never been. My dad became the papa to his grandkids he had never known. My dad became wealthier than he had ever been because he learned to love the people in his life rather than the possessions of it. After leaving the Carter Hope Center, he lived in a simple one-bedroom apartment with a fridge that was no longer stocked with beer, but rather yahoos. Some of the highlights of his weeks were riding around to job sites, making sure that my brother and I were doing our jobs right and having the candy, candy jar stocked for when I brought my boys over before church on Wednesday nights. He even let my nephew Brett pull a utility trailer across state lines on I-75 on his 16th birthday. His reasoning? He's got to learn sometimes. He became a man that we can all learn something from today. The most important thing about my dad was that he became a shining example that God is real and God was real in his life. You see... Last week, my dad was facing another surgery that doctors said he may not walk out of. Dad knew this, but he also knew a lot more than he did six years ago. You see, this time, when I asked him that same question, if he knew where he would spend eternity, should he not walk out of that surgery, his answer was instant and firm. He assured me that he would spend eternity in heaven and that he wasn't afraid of dying. He was at peace. It took a crisis to bring my dad to the foot of the cross. It took a crisis to make my dad understand that there's there's more in this life than a bottle, a drug, an addiction, or a habit. There's more to this life than what we have, what we build, or what we buy. 
The most cherished things in life are free. Our family, our kids, our relationships, our friends, our testimony, and our legacy. In the end, the man lying here before you today got it right. He loved his family. He loved the Lord. And he loved all of you here today. And for that reason, he left this earth a very wealthy man. So what about you? If you died today, will you spend eternity with my dad? Will you spend eternity with Jesus Christ? Where is your treasure? Is it the things that don't matter, things that can be stolen or forgotten? Or is your treasure in the simple things of life, faith, family, and friends? These are tough questions, but the answers have eternal consequences. If there is any doubt about your answer to these questions, please see me after the service. I'd love to talk to you. Yes, I'm sad my kids will never raid my dad's candy jar again. But I do know where he is. And I know that I'll be with him again someday. The only question is, will you be joining us? On behalf of our family, we love you. Thank you for being here. Run for God, family. This is the story of how God can do anything. He can reach down and take a man who is headed for earthly and eternal destruction and change him into a completely different person. I felt compelled to share this story with you, not because, of, not because it has anything to do with running, but because it has everything to do with life, both now and for eternity. Friends, do you know that you know that if you get that diagnosis today or you're involved in that car crash today, where you'll spend eternity? If the answer is yes, then praise God. But if the answer is no or I don't know, or you're just having that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach that you just can't explain, then do me a favor. Close this video right now and visit runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. Again, that's runforgod.com forward slash peace with God and watch four simple videos. If you're wa watching this podcast, the link is below. For all my brothers and sisters in Christ, let's all learn from my dad and remember what's important. Faith, family, and friends. I consider you all my friends, even though I've never met many of you. But I'm going to ask you to do me a favor as well. Turn off the podcast and go for a run. And tell someone about Jesus today. God bless you guys. For more information about the Run For God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace With God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.